Well, good morning, Western Hills. Here we are again. And I know this continues to be just strange times that we're, that we're living in. In fact, we gather here with a very skeleton crew and, and uh, Cade, my son, is one of them. And as we began to pray, we were praying together as a group and he just prayed for the messed up times that we lived in. And I thought that was just so appropriate because it just does seem uh, so stressful right now. A uh, couple things. Um, we're, if we have some technical difficulties today, we're gonna we're gonna muscle right through them. So just hang with this. This group that's here uh, is they're working hard for us, and I really appreciate and just am grateful for that. I also appreciate everybody that's logging in and jumping on the the chat channel or the comment section and seeing the encouragement that's going back and forth on that. So. If, if it doesn't distract you, really encourage you to do that. Uh, be a part of that because to the best that we can, we're gonna use this technology to stay connected to one another. Speaking of staying connected, I've been so encouraged this week by so many that are using phone calls and text messages to reach out. Um, folks like Bonnie has called me and she's checked in on me as I've reached out to some others and talked to uh, Travis and Autumn and a young couple that's here and they made the offer hey if there's anything that anybody needs uh, let us know and I'm getting that again and again called call my friend Alex and Alex made the same offer so many people are looking after and saying what do you need how, how can we help and I just appreciate the body of Christ this church coming together and so if if you're joining our live stream and you're not a part of a church, I want you to know that one of the reasons that, that we, that those that follow Jesus, we find church so important. I know at times it can seem antiquated or maybe it seems irrelevant, but it's being a part of a community of believers that are there to support and stay connected and look after one another. Because there is no greater time in my life that I can remember that we need to be looking after one another calling and checking in, shooting a text, finding an email, jumping on Facebook, checking somehow and seeing who needs, who needs what. And so I'm just so appreciative of all that. We've got lots of people in this church that are making calls back and forth, um, trying to make sure nobody's left out. And so uh, if there's any way that we can encourage you, if there's any way that we can help, please let us know. We're receiving prayer requests too. And that's been powerful to start praying for that. And as Scott talked about, you can pray. Um, you can send us a prayer request through westernhills.church or you can, even if you want, you can share it with the Facebook community that's up and running right now uh, in the comment section. But let us pray for that. And we've, we've received um, numerous prayer requests already. And once you know that we're praying, uh, praying for those, we're holding those close and trusting them, them to God. There's, it was pointed out to me earlier this week by a man that I really respect named Randy Harris that there's three groups of people in the world right now. And there's the first group, and those are the ones that are inconvenienced and frustrated by this current situation. And I would fall in, into that group. It's, it's an interruption in life. It's an interruption in, in what's going on. Um, the plans that we've made, we're all trying to figure out what a new normal looks like, but it's still at the level of interruption. For some, this has already become a hardship and there's financial impact and there's loss of jobs and there's worry about you know parents that are aging and in different situations that you're involved in and for some as we're already receiving the news reports from at least parts in our country 
that it's become a time of grief and a time of loss. So I don't know where you fall on those three, but know that we're praying together and we're praying um, uh, for you and for the situation. And we believe that Jesus is still on the throne. In fact, we're, we're going to talk some more about that today, but that's what we believe in. And so just as, as your minister, as your pastor, I'm going to offer up a prayer for us and, and then we'll jump into our message for today. So if you would, let's pray together. Father, I'm asking over this, um, the greatness of this technology that you've blessed us with, for all those that are watching and connected into this feed right now, that you would um, be powerfully at work. You would be comforting. You'd be giving peace where anxiety exists. You'd be giving hope where despair is, Father. You'd be giving comfort to those that perhaps are grieving uh, now. Father, in all these ways, I ask that you would be in control. Father, I ask for an end to the disease. I ask for healing. I ask for your presence. And above all, Father, I ask for you to be glorified in all this. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, just as we're about to launch into our message, I'll tell you this, that one of the technical difficulties that we ran into, okay, we may have some sound problems here. So just one one second, and I'll be waiting for the word for them to, to get back to me on when our sound is up and running again. So, one moment. Let's go again. Okay, we had a little bit of an interruption with the audio. I think we're back now. Give me one second to check with the team here and see if we're, we're back up and running. Caden, are you receiving the... Okay, okay. It's all going to be part of the game, folks. So this is how we're, we're going to roll. Again, I appreciate these folks for working so hard. Uh, one of the technical difficulties that I came is I tried to put all the scriptures online uh, last night and forgot to hit the save button and so uh, we'll get those up pretty soon afterwards and you'll have those resources will be available as well as questions at westernhills.church okay i hope you have your luke journals if not open to the gospel of luke in your bible or open up your favorite app luke chapter 9 we're going to be moving uh moving into a very short section of scripture today but if you're just joining us, I just want you to know that, that we, are, we committed long before we knew anything about COVID-19 to spend this year as a church getting a clear look at Jesus and coming to understand him. And what you need to know is part of the good news is the idea of the incarnation. And that is Jesus stepping into human flesh, becoming like you and like me and walking on this planet when he could have stayed far off he joined us in this planet and became one of us to complete his mission and let us know how much God loves us. And so Jesus is the good news. Jesus is the gospel message. If you hear this idea of the gospel or the good news, it's all about who Jesus is, what he came to do, what he did accomplish, and the fact that he's now alive and reigns, even in a situation that seems as messed up as this. So each week, each time you, you log on to our stream, that's what we're going to be looking at. So today I want to look at a very focused part.
part, and so it's going to be a shorter passage, which is going to be great because we're not going to be going as many different places. But Luke chapter 9, and I want you to go to the end of Luke chapter 9, and we're going to start in verse 57. And while you're finding that, chapter 9, verse 57, Gospel of Luke, and where you're finding that, I'm going to show you a picture in just a second, but I want to tell you the story about it first. There was a boy a couple years back named Lincoln, and Lincoln got a new puppy. And Lincoln wanted to train the puppy. And so he tells his dad he wants to train the puppy. And dad says, well, son, there's all kinds of YouTube videos about how to train a dog. And so Lincoln, being a smart, resourceful kid, goes, okay, great. And this is what Lincoln did to train his puppy. So Lincoln decided he would show the YouTube videos to his dog. Now, I show that picture for you, I share that picture with you for two reasons. One, I think right now we all need a happy picture like that, don't we? We just need something to smile at. But the second reason is because oftentimes something gets lost in translation, doesn't it? When we try to communicate, the dad wasn't trying to get Lincoln to show the videos. The dad was trying to get Lincoln to watch the videos to understand, but it got lost in a generational gap and in a translation from dad to son. And the reason I want us to start there is because as we read through today's passage, it's very simple in all the parts of the gospel to realize that things are getting lost in translation at times. And there's going to be parts of what we read today that strike you very harsh in many ways as Jesus is talking and he's sharing. And so just remember, there's some things going on in translation that we're going to try to pull out and see what Jesus is actually saying to us and what he's calling us to, more importantly, what he's inviting us into as we read this. Okay, so to set up where we are, Jesus is traveling with his disciples. They've seen lots of miraculous things. There's beginning to be a buzz about, is he the Messiah? Is he the one that, that we can put all of our hopes in? And as they do this, they're getting very starry-eyed, meaning the disciples, the ones that are closest to him, really think this is going to be an upward path of success. They are about to experience their greatest ambitions, if you would. And so Jesus is now changing his tune. Not his message, but he's changing his tone significantly because they need to understand there's a loss in translation going on, and he wants them to understand that this is not going to be the type of kingdom the type of accomplishment that they think it is. Because they think it's all going to get rosier and rosier and better and better and better. And he begins to lay some very harsh words on them. And so right before this, he tells his disciples that you've got to pick up your cross every day and follow me. Now that is striking words. Because in our world, people wear crosses as pieces of jewelry. In the first century world, Nobody wore a cross. Remember, crosses wore people because they would walk along the roads and as a billboard for how powerful Rome was, they would crucify people on major thoroughfares to say, don't mess with Rome. And so Jesus uses this language that would have been incredibly impactful. It says, you've got to pick up your cross every day and follow me. Meaning there's a daily decision. Will you follow? Will you follow because... I'm Lord, but it's not going to be the same kind of Lord that you think it's going to be. I am a king, and it's a king beyond your wildest imaginations. But you're fixated on one kind of king, and it's going to be a distinctly different kind of king. And so he's beginning this part in Luke where he's unpacking this kind of message. 
And so that brings us to our passage today. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. And he's going to have a conversation with three different guys. And they're all going to come up and they're going to want to do what we think they should want to do. And that's follow him. But watch how the conversation unfolds. Verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And then Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, at first reading, maybe your um, response is like mine. What is going on here? Because here's Jesus. Three guys come saying, We want to follow you. And it's almost as if he bats them away every chance he gets. And they come at him with this desire, which we would go, Good job. You know, the movement's growing. It's the right kind of guys. You're drawing the crowd. And Jesus is laying some harsh words. So, realizing that there's a gap here, that there's a translation that we need to walk through, that there's an understanding of communication that we need to come through. Let's look, because I really believe there's a powerful message for us here today. So let's take it piece by piece. Let's go back um, to 57. So, so verse 57 says, As they were going along, this is the group that's going together, someone said, I will follow you wherever you go. And that sounds like a response it would want. And let's look at Jesus' response here to unpack what he's saying. So here's what Jesus says. He says, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, what is Jesus doing? That sounds very cryptic. And by the way, Son of Man is Jesus' number one reference to himself. He uses that title often when he's talking about himself as the one that was coming to be. And so he says the Son of Man doesn't have any place to rest, rest his head. He doesn't have a home. He doesn't have a comfort zone. And what Jesus is letting this man know is, is you are signing up because you think this is headed somewhere glorious. Now remember, we've got already had numerous examples where Jesus can read people's thoughts. And he knows way ahead of them what they're thinking. Before they even say it out loud, he speaks directly to what they're thinking. This, I believe, is one of those moments, and Jesus is looking at this young follower that's very excited and eager because he thinks this is the train to success. This is the train to glory. This is the train that's going to deliver him all of his personal ambitions. He's signing up with the right candidate, he thinks. And so Jesus lets him know very, very quickly, this is not about comfort. Following me doesn't take you into a comfortable place. Following me doesn't make it easy for you. Following me is not a chart towards your personal success plan. I think he's speaking right into his heart and right into ours. How often do we follow Jesus because we think there's goodies that come along with it? We think there's gifts and benefits that happen in this world, in this place, in this space where 
where following Jesus means automatically my life gets more comfortable because I follow him. My life gets easier because I follow him. He's just saying, hey, the foxes, they have a place to go. The birds, they have their nest. But you have to understand that as you follow me, this world no longer becomes your home. That sounds like an old hymn, right? Maybe you grew up singing that. This world's no longer my home. And that's the idea that this is not where we belong as followers of Jesus. Now, we exist here, but when we exist here, that means we have to encounter and take everything that comes here, including things like a COVID-19 pandemic. Because Jesus never promises he's going to suddenly protect us from all, all things in this world because it's a fallen and struggling world. And that's what Jesus is communicating to this. So as we follow Jesus... He would look back and say, remember, it's not an easy path that I'm calling you to. It, it requires some sacrifice here and some understanding. The second man comes up, and here's what he says. To another, follow me. But this guy says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Now, Jesus, what I want you to see is Jesus keeps pushing out the invitation. Even though he has harsh words, he's not denying the invitation to anybody. He is continually pushing that invitation, the same invitation that he gives to you and he gives to me. Follow me. And then this one person says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And this is very sensitive right now because in this world we lose people that we love and especially with you know, watching such things as a death count and a death toll with COVID-19, this sounds like a very reasonable request. Look at Jesus' response. Jesus says to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, that sounds like Jesus has lost all of his pastoral sense. That Jesus is no longer concerned about this guy's feelings or this, this, what this guy's experiencing or his grief. Let me unwind this a little bit because I think there's some things here for us. There was a practice. First of all, if it was expected that this was the oldest son, and as the oldest son, once the father died, the oldest son takes responsibility for the funeral and all the, the ceremonies and all the rituals that go around it. And it was about a seven-day process initially. And there's a good chance he's not in that seven-day process because he wouldn't even be out listening to Jesus or listening to his teachings or following him on the road. He would already be committed back, involved, just literally engrossed in that process of being with his family, ministering to them and caring for them. What most likely is going on here is the fact that after the initial burial, that when they would treat the body, much like they treated Jesus' body and laid him in the tomb, that they would wait for that to, the body to actually decompose, and there would be a second burial that they would go and gather the skeletal remains, the bones. And maybe you've heard of this term before. They would put them in a box called an ossuary, and that, there would be a, then a second burial. Well, usually this burial took, in, took place anywhere from a half a year to a full year later than the initial burial. And so what's believed is that this man is coming up and he's asking about that second burial. Let me go wrap that up. Because that was kind of like closing out the estate. 
and closing out all the affairs. And so he may be saying, I'm willing to follow you, but you're going to have to give me about eight months to do that. You're going to have to give me seven months to do that. And Jesus is saying, either the kingdom is a priority or it's not. So Jesus is not ignoring his grief. That, that season, that particular, around the funeral, that's past. He's now talking about delaying his following Jesus. And Jesus is saying, there's no reason to delay. There's no other greater priority that you would have than this. And how often do so many of us come up with priorities to compete with our following Jesus? There's a, there's a someday, a someday, maybe someday out there. You know, God, when I, when I get these things in, in life, or when I've accomplished this much, or when I get past this season, then, then I'm going to commit. As a youth minister, I would, I would often have a conversation with students that were considering whether or not they should give their life to Jesus and enter the waters of baptism, be baptized in his name. And oftentimes I'd hear a phrase like this, well, I'm, I'm just not ready because I've got to get some things right. And what I would tell them and I would tell you and what Jesus would tell us is it's not about you getting things right. It's not about you getting your house in order and then offering that to Jesus. It's that you would take your messed up life as it is right now and give it to the one, the only one that could do anything about your messed up life. And let no other priority, let no other, other um, item in your life, issue in life, take precedent over that. And then everything else begins to fall in order. You've heard the, the scripture that says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. You seek it first and then everything else gets added in following that. So to the first guy, uh, to the first guy he's saying this is not a comfortable uh, journey. The second said, this needs to be a priority number one to you, and that you come and allow me, being Jesus, to do the, to do the miraculous work. And here's the third conversation. Yet another said, I will follow you. So again, the invitation keeps going out. Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Again, you and I would say, great, go say your goodbyes, come join us. Let me show you Jesus' response to that. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And again, this is one of those, Jesus, you're not really sensitive at these moments. You don't seem like you understand the emotion of what's going on here. And Jesus uses an agricultural uh, imagery. And he talks about putting the hand to the plow and looking back. Now, I grew up a city boy. But I've got several relatives that grew up on farms. And one summer in my junior high high school days, I got a chance to go out there when they were plowing field. And most of what they would plow up was to plant for hay um, and cultivate a field to get ready to feed cattle. And so I had a chance to climb up in the big old tractor one time. And they never let me drive it by myself. That would have been a horrendous mistake. But they let me drive it trying to keep it down the, the farewell, the, the rows. And what I realized pretty quickly was any time that I wasn't looking way out ahead, I started making pattern S's in the, in the ground. And so just talking about when you look back, when you're distracted to something to the side, you're no longer plowing in the straight line. 
You're, you're, a distraction has stepped in. And so he's saying to this man, hey, let me just go say goodbye. He's saying, look, there can't be distractions in this. And oftentimes we'll see Jesus reiterate this theme throughout his Gospels when even his own mom or his brothers will show up and they'll say, they'll say, hey, mom and your brothers are here. And just say, the people that are my brothers and my, my mother are the ones that are following my words. And so he's calling us into that. And so it's an idea of that the distractions that life and so many distractions pile up on us, right? So many distractions where, where it's the things that we're entertained by. It's the ambitions that we have for ourselves, the ambitions that we have for our children. It's the ambitions that we have to see some kind of success. It's a pursuit of, of wealth or something else that, that distracts us and pulls us away. And Jesus is saying, follow me. Put your sights here. Look down the line and you'll see me. And that will guide everything else. So Jesus is inviting us to follow him. And that doesn't change. His invitation is still one filled with grace. But he's saying, understand as you come follow me, that it doesn't promise, and see this is what we need to understand, especially in our world, that it do, Jesus never promises us a life of comfort a life of success, a life that's easy, a life that we're going to be seen as successful, a life where we're popular, a life that's smooth sailing, a life where we're protected from disease, a life where we never experience death, a life where our job never fails us. He never makes any of those promises, but he does promise this, follow me and you'll never regret it. Follow me and you'll see in the act of following him, and while you follow him, you'll see it's worth it. And that's the invitation that he has for us. And you know, one thing about this COVID-19 stuff that we're facing right now, and I've thought about this, as many of us are sheltering in place and trying to stay healthy and make sure we don't spread to those that are at risk and helping our medical uh, personnel out, that it's created an abundance of time on our hand. So many of the distractions have been taken away. So what I want to encourage you with this is there's a way that we can approach this quarantine as sacred time. And I want to encourage you to use it as a time to reflect on, on Jesus' invitation to follow him. And perhaps with some of the noise that gets removed, because you're forced to, and we've used the phrase forced sabbatical, forced Sabbath in this, to allow you to have a conversation with Jesus that perhaps you haven't had in a long time and to reflect on your relationship with him, the nature to follow him, and that there could be a time that we can actually redeem this season in ourselves and in our homes where many of the noise, the distractions, and all the things that call for our attention have been taken away and almost very drastically uh, taken away. So I want to leave you with a question. And I want, to, want you to think about this. And the question is this. What distracts you from following Jesus? What, what competes for that time? Because he's got the same invitation. And especially in our time right now where we have some time to remove some of those distractions. 
And I want to encourage you as we're about to take the communion together. So if you've got the elements and you've got the, the juice and the crackers or the bread, whatever you're using, that you would um, prepare that. And as you're preparing that, I want to share one more scripture with you. Because as I look at what Jesus is telling these three guys, it strikes me that Jesus lived each of these out on our behalf. Because remember, the good news is that Jesus became one of us. He became the incarnation, God wrapped up in flesh. He didn't stay at a social distance from us. He moved in and drew close to us. And because of that, he gave up the home of heaven and settled for no home here on earth. Because of that, his family would not be there to bury him. His, he would be buried in a borrowed tomb without all of the ceremony that should have surrounded it. Buried as a criminal, in fact. And he would often have to say, or his family would reject him. And they would turn from him and not understand his mission, not understand what was going on. And he went through all of those to follow and to accept that. And so I think that is summed up in this passage. I'm going to share this passage about the incarnation with you. And it's, it's in Philippians. And we often refer to it as the Christ hymn. And I'm going to share this and then I'm going to let Paxton come up. And he's going to share with us uh, a prayer and pray for our communion time together. But listen to this incarnation where Jesus could have stayed at a distance. Much like we're trying to stay at a distance from one another. He came in and he took on the disease for us, the suffocating disease of our sin. And in many ways, though we would often say it by, he, he gave us his righteousness, in many ways he gave us his immunity to it. Here's what it says in Philippians. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Hope you've enjoyed today's service and being together today. I want to wrap up that communion time with the second half of the Philippians Christ hymn. And Paul, as he writes this hymn, he goes on from Jesus who became flesh, took on our disease, became one of us even to the point of death. God then does the gospel work, the good news, and he does this. Verse 9, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the Jesus that we serve. That's the Jesus we serve in the good times. That's the Jesus we serve in these difficult times when our anxiety runs high. So I want to encourage you to lean into that Jesus this week, to the one that took on this flesh for us, took on our disease, the one that we just shared in this communion, the one that did go to a tomb on our behalf, but did not stay there. The proof that God was willing to let his son die so that he could be in relationship with you 
and with me. And there, there is no more powerful message than that. So I'm going to pray for us one more time. Then I'm going to give us a blessing and the grace together. And then we'll conclude. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this chance together again to worship today. So for all those connected, I pray that you would, you would bless them. And I know we're separated by great many miles um, as folks from around this country are logged in and participating in this. So Father, may you use each of us where we are to be a light, to be a minister, to be a representation of the gospel message. Father, may you encourage each of us. May you give us strength as we go day by day and face whatever anxieties we have for that day, whatever situation we have for that day, that each day we would pick up our cross and we would follow you. Not because it's easy, not because it's convenient, but because it is our number one priority. And you promise us that there will be no regrets there. So, Father, I ask all this in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you want, before we conclude, I encourage you log on, share an encouragement, um, post a comment. Uh, we, we so appreciate that, and it's so encouraging to watch people do that. Keep checking on each other. Uh, keep encouraging one another. Together, we're going to go through this. Together, we're going to make it, because we serve a mighty and powerful God. So with that, I'm going to share in with the blessing for each of us that we share each week. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all forever and ever. Amen. Grace and peace.